Hello. Salam and good evening to you, worthy friend. Please, please come closer. Uh, too close. A little too close. Welcome to another edition of the Disney Book Radio Show. Thank you for joining us. I know we've been away for a couple of weeks, but hey, we are back. And I'm pleased to tell you that Alan's here as well. Hello, Alan. Hi, Adam. Hi, everyone. Happy Easter or happy Bank Holiday weekend, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, something on those lines. And Chris is here. Yeah, hello. Afternoon, morning, good evening. You all right? I had a bad day today. You had a bad day? Well, what's happened? Oh, I've been oh, on the diet and oh. uh, woke up this morning just had to, and, and had eggs. Yeah, chocolate eggs. I'm, Cabbage, yeah. Yeah, that's not good, is it, eh? <laughs> no, We're not the only ones who do this whole big Easter thing, though, aren't we? In the sense of Easter eggs and all that sort of stuff. Do they do that in the US? I'm not convinced they do. Not in the same... They don't have the hot cross buns and all that sort of stuff, do they? Uh, they do have some sort of Easter eggs, don't they? Yeah, but the hot Normally cross buns, sort of plastic ones. Hot cross buns are a British phenomenon, Speaking of hot they? cross buns... Oh, sorry. Yeah, just, go on. Just before I start this podcast, Nate, or this afternoon even... Whenever. Catherine said, would you like some hot cross buns? I went, yeah, go on then. She said, do you want jam and butter? I said, no, just butter. And they came in, and they weren't hot. And to be fair, I think they were just tea cakes. Yeah, Yeah. and the cross bit was supposed to be making you cross over the fact that they weren't the right ones. Yeah, I went somewhere the other day and said, can I have two hot cross buns? He said, do you want them toasted or not? How else was he going to make them hot? Yeah, it's true. They're not very hot. She's left him in the sun. Yeah, that's all he's done. He's just left him out in the sunshine for you to sort of just try and try and enjoy. Right, let's uh, tell you what's going on with the show then. Uh, we've got a load of stuff for you this week. Uh, we've talked about Disney's FastPass Plus and about what's going on with that and the changes it's made and whether it's uh, working or seems to be working. We've got some first-hand accounts from people. Uh, we're going to talk to you about Mouse Meets as well because I believe, is this the last show before Mouse Meets? It could be. I'm going to do one more. I think we've got one more before Mouse Meets. Uh, but we want to tell you basically everything that's going on with Mouse Meets because we've got a, a good idea of the rundown and all those sort of bits and pieces as well. And uh, as we promised you a couple of shows ago, but uh, due to basically the amount of time we uh, we had with other stuff, we didn't get a chance to do it. We're also going to bring you the second half of uh, Jim Caucus's tour of Sunset Boulevard over at Hollywood Studios. So I believe that is everything. Uh, that's going on today's show. Have I missed anything, or is that is that everything? Have we got that right? Um, well, yeah, we've obviously got the news as well, haven't we? Uh, yeah, we've obviously got the news, as always, which we always do, but um, that's pretty much everything that's going on uh, today. So, uh, let's start with this week's news and rumours. Good morning, sire. Good morning, Zazu. Checking in with the morning report. Fire away. Okay, then, let's find out what's going on with the news. So, our 3 by 3 is as follows. Alan? Big things are expected for Ratatouille. Even Grumpy is smiling. 
inspired a man to join meet and greet in Walt Disney Studios Paris. Okay, so Alan, big things expected for Ratatouille. What's going on? Um, Ratatouille is moving very far forward. I'm about to put my foot against the door because my family's just about running. Are they? Yeah. Anyway, um, are, are you in your special suit? Just, you know what you need to say to them? Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> big summer blowout! That's what you need to do. That's what he was family. doing. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Um, yeah. Basically, there's been a load of photographs and footage put on the internet um, by Imagineering that shows a lot of the details that is going to be inside the new Ratatouille ride. Yep. Including concepts of the ride vehicles. Well, not concepts, actual ride vehicles. Which I will say I'm a little bit disappointed with. Oh, yeah? Because they look a bit too much like cartoon mice. (laughs) A little bit too French. Uh, A little bit like cartoon mice. Yeah, the the two, they're not the two rounds. They're not they're not they look like ride vehicles rather than rats. Right. Okay. Well, that's kind of going to happen, isn't it? For the fact that they yeah. have got to fit people in and uh, give some a, idea. Bit of a practicality there, isn't yeah. it? But I think they look too. I don't know. Round. You know, if if they were more sort of longer and thinner. Yeah. Rather than, I don't know. Say, argument's sake, you put three rows of two in rather yeah. than two rows of two. It yeah. would make more of a rat shape. So basically what you're saying is you don't care about ride capacity and throughput per hour uh, as long as it looks like a mouse. Yeah. Alan wants to split families up as well. Yeah. Clearly you just want to... You're just a family hater. That's what it is. Yeah. Clearly. Um, but they've also put in video which shows the interior of the rides yeah. and I have to say this will blow you away. It does look amazing. I've got to admit. Um, I am looking forward to seeing this. From... from a dark ride, yeah. which uh, it is. Yeah, it looks to be a lot, well, the worst term ever, bigger than a dark ride. The sort of the depth and the height of the attraction seems to be almost infinite. Yeah, where these giant things hanging from the ceilings, where normally you'd have something quite low down on the ceiling. Yeah, it does seem very immersive. Uh... And whether or you know whether or not that is the case, and there's obviously going to be a lot of video that we've been we've seen these domes going on for some time, haven't we? Um, yeah. That they've been supposedly creating. Uh, but I'm really excited to see the, sort of the scale of this thing and just how good it's going to be. And fingers crossed, uh, I want to head out there and I want to go uh, before I go off to Walt Disney World in the summer. Wow, you're, you're planning on spending some money? Uh, yeah. That's the only downside. It's going to cost lots of pennies. But I would like to, if I possibly could, head down there in the summer and, and get the chance to see this. Uh, so, all important date, apparently the 10th of July is when this yes. thing's going to open. So, hopefully from the 10th. Um, I'm just going to play you the audio from that video that Alan was just talking about. Uh, and we get a little bit of an idea of, uh, of what he means. So, here it is. Our goal is to create the Paris of Ratatouille. L'aventure totalement toqué de Rémy, our Ratatouille attraction celebrates the culture, the food, the architecture uh, of France and Paris. We have never built an attraction like this before, where you shrink down to the size and you feel that you are truly in this giant, wonderful world. We've been working on this attraction for almost five years. is enormous. Giant oranges, giant fish, giant ham suspended above you. 
we're using completely brand new animation created custom for this attraction to extend that experience and bring the characters to life. Remy is going to prepare a meal for us, and we don't want to be late. It's a crazy and fun ride for everybody. So there you go. That's basically what it is that they're creating. A um, crazy and fun ride. A crazy and fun ride. But look in, do get a chance to look at that video. The, the size of the props and the scenery and everything do look phenomenal. Like when when there's, there's pictures of guys painting like giant ham legs. Oh, yeah. Like they're on, massive as well. And they're on cherry pickers. These things are probably, what, six, six times as tall as a person? At least, yeah, I would think. But the, good, the thing is, with this as well is a lot of the times, we, you know, we've seen these attractions done before where they're on a grand scale, et cetera, et cetera, and that's all fine. But um, because there's no actual ride system, visible ride system, there's no track or anything like that, it makes it more, it look more believable than it does when you're riding through something of this dark ride nature, but it has this whole track ride system in front of you. And, and with that not being there, it makes a massive difference, I think. I don't know if you've seen the... Is it the penguin encounter or something like that over at SeaWorld? Yes. Um, where you go into an area with this trackless system and also you can end up going back over your tracks. It's almost like you're it's like dancing with other cars. Yeah. So it gives it more freedom that way. But the freedom this gives it, you know, I suppose it gives them freedom to change things as well as they go. I don't know, have you had a chance to see this video yet, Chris? No, I've not had a chance yet, so... I ain't got a clue what you're talking about. Oh. <laughs> You've heard it. Just, 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 it just sounds like um, they're going to make it even more French. Even more French, yes. Uh, that's what you know, let's, for. let's face it, some of the rides there are typically American, and they've made them French. This is going to be a French ride, so it's going to be really French. Is it going to be a special queue for them to get on first? It is a French film. Yeah, it is a French film. That's what I mean. True. Is it going to be a special queue for the French people so they can just push in? <laughs> <laughs> le fast no. pass. Le, yeah. le fast pass. Le fast pass français. They've got like these giant jambons that are about 36 feet tall. Le nocu. <laughs> so it's what, what's what's on earth? Nocu. Nocu. Le nocu. Padocu. All I know in French is Port Allez la Gassive, I play. Uh, I don't know from here. That is where is the train station. Is exactly I've been on the plane and I've been in the car, so I've not had to use it yet. Je voudrais une chambre pour deux personnes, s'il vous plaît. That's I'd not like a room for two people. So what, do you, do you, do you just go over there and book random rooms for two people often? <laughs> yeah, that's all I do. That's basically, yeah. I just go around and, and book random rooms for different things. And they try and explain, you already booked in, sir. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay. Thanks, thanks, though. That's really nice of you. Anyway, that is the first bit of news. Uh, moving over to the Magic Kingdom, and um, Disney Parks this week have released another video uh, to do with the Seven Dwarves Mine Train Coaster. And this time, it's showing the anima- uh, animatronic, um, basically, dwarves. And <laughs> what, what are you laughing at? Sorry. They are basically dwarves. <laughs> they are. He's thinking they're other type of dwarves in other they're, films. They're not real. Um, and I must say, the animatronics look amazing. You know, we're not talking about full-scale kind of stitch style. We're still talking about, you know, they do the same action over and over again. Uh, so it's just that repetitious as you get in most dark rides. But the actual animation for the faces and some of their movements, although they're repeating those movements over and over again, are phenomenal. Yeah. Um... Dumbo, you know, has got his uh, has got his 
diamond eyes in, and his, you can see his ears flapping. You've got. Do- he's um, called Dopey. Dopey, sorry. Did I, I was going to say, I don't think Dumbo was Dumbo? up. Was Dumbo? I meant Dopey. You know, Grumpy's there elephant? pulling something, and uh, just the movement of him is phenomenal. Um, we're expecting this to soft open in the next few weeks now. You know, it really is last, last minute moments of testing, and it's basically making sure everything is safe. And it, it just looks. Oh, I'm just quite excited by it. Well, what I would say is, I think that the video footage doesn't really do it justice. No, I, I don't think it does. And I think you'll find that you, when you actually get there in the summer, Alan, you'll see it and it'll be amazing. Yeah, no, I, don't, I think you're confused there, Adam. Al's not going to go oh, going this summer. Alan's not going this year. That's right. No, that's it. Yeah, so when we go in the summer, Chris. And yeah, that's the one, it, yes. We'll, we'll have a good look at it. We'll, we'll have a really good look at it and it'll look amazing. Uh, it should be good. It'll look even better the year after. No, it won't. What, when you sat behind your mother and Laura Allen? By that point, it would have been on YouTube six million times and, you know... I won't need to go. Uh, Yeah, not sure it works like that. Although, to be honest, at this rate, you could probably fast-pass your vacation without even needing to go on vacation. But we'll come on to that later. Uh, Here's a thought, though. Go on. Obviously, uh, for most of I know we're going to talk about it later. Yeah. But we've got someone going around the park, haven't we? We have. And let's hope that this ride's open. Well, if it is... We could share it with the UK. Share it with the whole of the UK. Worth a £20 fee anyway. There you go, wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Right, Chris, what's going on with Disneyland Paris? Other than well, Ratatouille. It, it's happened, hasn't it? Something that they all, everyone said will never happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Disneyland Paris is going to get its first taste of Merlin. Really? Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Marvel. Uh, for the Marvel, I see. Yeah. We're doing well Merlin. today, aren't we? Merlin. We're They're not going to see well there, don't worry. <laughs> something else. <laughs> For the 19th of April, guests will be able to uh, have a photo with Spider-Man. Ah, le homme de Spider. Yes, so um, it's, it's a good thing. Right. I mean, we all knew it'd come eventually. Yeah, we I'm did. Guessing, I'm guessing there's something in the contract that says they've got to be so many miles away from Universal Studios. Yeah. Yes. And uh, Disneyland Paris fits into that uh, bracket. Yes, it does. So we've got Spider-Man coming then, uh, which would be great to start to see those Marvel characters in the park. Obviously, in the US, it's going to be very, very tricky for that to happen. But over here... In what, have you moved? What, have you moved? Uh, what? You said over here. Well, well you've moved. Uh, you know, in Europe. Um, yes. In Europe, we can have these characters start to appear. And, it, you know, it does fuel those rumours, I suppose, that the, the third gate is going to be some sort of Marvel theme park. They've talked about it. Uh, and talked about it a little bit more, and now suddenly we've got... It's this. probably just a test, isn't it, to see well, the yeah, sort of feeling? Yeah, I guess it is. Um, yeah. But it'd be great to see some sort of Marvel Park over here in Disneyland Paris. It's going to be called Disney's Islands of Adventure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> be I'm guessing the queues won't be quite as big as they have been for over the past week for um, the Frozen characters, though. Wow, the Frozen characters queue. Uh, I saw somebody post something on Facebook. Uh, yesterday, day before, to say that the current wait time for Anna and Elsa was six hours. amazing. Six hours. People are queuing that long just to get costumes, aren't they, in the UK? Yeah, yeah. the Disney stores. It's insane. Uh, this just caused such massive... Just, I don't know. Would, would you used to wait that long to see a character? No, no, in a million years. Uh, no, possibly. Thing. Possibly. Six hours, would you? Oh, my, my girls are obsessed with it. I mean, as you, as you know, I've got a dog named after Elsa. That's true. Al, yeah. Alan knows what the girls are like. They're all obsessed with it, aren't they? If I, yeah. if I see a wait time for a, a ride for an hour, I struggle. I'd be like, nah, maybe not. 
let alone six hours to meet characters. I've done two and a half for uh, Merida. <sighs> That's just insane. That wasn't even that good. <laughs> no, I know, but once the kids get it in their head that they want to they see want it. They want to see it, yeah. And, you, and you, put, you put it off, you put it off, and you're coming towards the end of the whole day. Yeah. You think, well, I'm just going to have to do it. Fair point. Oh, right. Um, so let's go to Walt Disney World refurbs and closures then. Uh, so let's have a look what's going on. Monorail is uh, still uh, until the end of uh, March. Oh. Um, it's uh, which is going to be uh, under maintenance. Well done. You've updated that one. Good. Uh, yeah. So Monorail is <laughs> open again now. So the Magic Kingdom, Pirates of the Caribbean will be closed from April 28th to the mar- uh, 1st of May. Uh, Festival of the Lion King closed uh, the 5th of January. That's on a six-month refurb. And um, Downtown Disney has got some massive work going on. What are they um, doing there? What are they going there? They're building, believe it or not, um, a multi-storey car park. So it's the first I've heard of it. J and K are closed. Did you know it that? It should make parking a bit easier. It should make parking a bit easier. Apparently, they're also going to add a 10-lane uh, road outside. And 2016, apparently, is now the date for Disney Springs. Mm. Um, so it's so does anyone know? Does anyone know the day when the car park's going to be finished? No, no idea. But Disney have got their big three-day media event coming up in, I think it's the end of this month, where they do their big announcements for what's coming in the next year, two years, three years, that sort of stuff. Uh, It's expected Disney Springs announcements will be in there. There'll probably be some other bits and pieces in there as well and all that sort of stuff. So, Cool. um, um, Has Paris of the Caribbean got their Fast Fast Plus stuff going on yet? Uh, Yes. All right, so that's not what the closure's about. No, parts of the Caribbean stuff's all starting to happen. Um, so hopefully that'll be up soon too. Um, right, that is all of our news and rumours. Oh, Paris. We... Sorry. Oh, yeah, we haven't done Paris. What's going on oh, in Paris? Paris. Oh, a few bits are closed. Uh, and that's what, that's what Alan's put on the script. Oh, the train is closed various days. Okay, that's good. Oh, what oh. are those days, Alan? <laughs> They're just various days. You know, you know we, when we used to read it, it was like, it was open on the Monday, closed on the Tuesday, yeah, yeah, yeah. open Wednesday, Thursday, closed Friday. Well, basically, the the updates I'm getting now is basically just check the uh, check the daily calendar. Yeah, because it does seem to be changing day on day. It's, 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 it's just total, total random factor. It's, there's no sense. But the worst thing is, for Chris, Captain mm-hmm. EO is going to be closed until the 30th of June. Oh, yeah. No, it's not good, is it? Now, Captain EO was closed on random days, and now it's closed for quite a long period now. Yeah, I wonder. Is is its day's number totally oh, now? I wonder. I mean, I can't remember. Is it closed in Florida now or not? Yes, I believe it's I think it's it is, long. isn't it? Yeah. Um, interestingly, Armageddon's also closed until the 30th of June. Yeah. That's, that's another... Th- why, why is that one closed? Because they need to get period. rid of it. That's why. Short staff. Um, and Flying Carpets over Agrabah. Oh, two-week closure there as well. Look at that. Yeah. But but it makes a change. There's not as many rides closed. Certainly not the tram tour, which means it must have survived. Yeah. Maybe it's to put some new random film in that you don't know anything about. Oh, yeah. That doesn't in work. In French. <laughs> lines. Right. That is everything with regards to our news and rumours. We're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk Mouse Meets and let you know what is going on at Mouse Meets. It's coming up in a few weeks' time. Want to keep up to date with all the latest Disney news and rumors? Then make sure to check out www.disneybrit.com, your number one source for the magical world of Disney. Woohoo! Big summer blowout! 
Disney Brit listeners. This is Mover Smitty, Mover Dave, Mover Scott, and Mover Rich. And we're the Imagination Movers. We'll be traveling all the way from New Orleans, Louisiana to play a concert at the Bloomsbury Theater in London, England. We'll be appearing on May 30th, May 31st, and June 1st of this year. Don't miss it. It's going to be a live concert extravaganza for the whole family to enjoy together. We'll play all our big Imagination Mover hits. We'll have drum solos, guitar solos, and we'll even have flying toilet paper. To order tickets, visit thebloomsbury.com forward slash events. That's Bloomsbury, B-L-O-O-M-S-B-U-R-Y. Listen for our Disney Brit interview coming soon. Thanks, you guys. Meets 2014. Live from Manchester. Right, so, uh, Alan. Actually, before we start mass, this Mouse Meets update, um, I think I need to say a massive thank you to both Alan and Chris. Um, because as you may or may not know, for the past four or five years, I've done mostly mouse meets by myself. But a lot of the organisation I've done myself, and 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 that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But uh, Alan and Chris came to me like oh, back in 2013 and said, "Look, we really want to bring mouse meets back again this year. We really want to do it. Um, would you mind if we help you do it?" And I said, "No, nope, that's absolutely no problems whatsoever." And what with me being very busy with lots of things, um, I have to say this year would not have happened if Alan and Chris hadn't done the work that they have done with it this year so as much as i'd like to have been involved much more than i have i have to say that the majority of the work this year has been done by alan and chris so a big thank you to you two well, thank you for that work. but one thing i want to say is you were right <laughs> it's, a lot, it's a lot more work than it's it, it a lot more work than you probably imagine i but, think um, if we knew how much was involved would we have done it <laughs> yeah he wouldn't have done it uh, no no will we do it again probably not <laughs> So, uh, Alan, over to you. What's going on? Right, okay. We've now sort of roughed out the days. We know roughly what is going to be happening, so we've got the lineup of the Saturday and the Sunday. Sort of. Um, so we'll, there may be one or two items that get added or slightly sort of moved. Or moved. But this is, this is roughly where it's going to be. So on the Saturday, when the event opens, you're going to have Trader Sam's Trading Tavern. You're going to have the Disney Bring and Buy. They will both open at the same time. Now, what the Trader Sam's Trading Tavern is, is a room where pin traders, vinyl makers, traders, whatever, can go to at any point and trade. Okay? There's going to be tables there. There's going to be seats. You're going to be able to just go in there and talk about your pins or vinyls, whatever you want to do. On top of that... There will be some set times of focus trading, which would be for things like uh, Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom cards. Yeah. Um, Morrison's cards. Morrison's cards. Um, I don't know, Vinyl Nations, pin badges. You know, mm-hmm. it, it might be where over the course of the day you've got sort of random people going in to do the trading. If you have, we're going to have a focus time of, say, I don't know, arguably 10 o'clock on Saturday will be focused for half an hour of Vinyl Nation trading. Yeah. 
so that will pull everyone that wants to do that sort of thing into one spot at one time and we will sort of put a schedule together with these focused time spots so that everyone gets their opportunity to do their bit of focus trading also in the main room at the same time this Disney bring and buy thing which is a new thing for this year Yep. the idea is that if you're a Disney collector that you've got I don't know 400 books in your shelves and your shelves are breaking down you may want Alan to... must have put them up. <laughs> Alan must have put them up. I don't always glue them dolls in the IKEA furniture. Um, if you want to share some of your books with other people, you know, you might not want them all anymore, you've read them that many times, but they're still in good condition, bring them along to Disney Bring Them By. You'll have, there'll be a form to fill in, list your item, say how much you want for it, put it on the table or in the, in the box ready to go on the table, depends how many people get involved. And basically it's, you know, cashing some of your Disney stuff to earn a little bit of money. So it could be quite easy if you brought 20 quids worth of stuff to pay for your ticket. There you go. That's it. So all those people out there that asked us to do, do um, mouse meets, you ain't got a ticket yet, it is another excuse to get one, look. You can make your money back. You could make yeah. your money back. There you go. Um, do you want to give us the rundown then? So what, what roughly have we got going on on each day? And also, where do we find all of this information? Right, okay. Well, all this stuff at the moment is upon um, mousemeets.co.uk on the confirmed lineup section of the website. Um, we have the rough, rough on the Saturday is Mouse Meets 101, where yeah. is what was always on every year, with rough outline of what's happening, Sign, rules of what, hello. bit of health and safety. Yeah, um, no flash photography, all that sort of stuff. And um, we've got never mind the Diz nerds. Oh, <laughs> had to be careful there, <laughs> although it's not that bad. And um, never mind the Diz nerds, which is going to be an interactive game show. And um, yeah. we've got Mum Knows Best, which is an interview chat with Emma Nicholson Cut. and Susan Farrell. Yeah, we just get to know. Uh, Emma did it a couple of years ago. It was really interesting. We've got Susan now, who's another member of the UK panel um, so it, it's going to be good because we can get a chance to listen to, to both of those two which is cool it's also going to be focused a little bit more on what happens once you've been in it for a little while because yeah. I, mean, I think most people now know how to join the Palms panel yeah. or try to join it's what happens next isn't it it is yeah the next stage we've got um, Seen Unseen Disneyland which is an interview with Russell Flores who author of a book called Disney Oh, seen and seen Disneyland, um, which looks at all the hidden details of Disneyland and all the theming and depth of theming that goes on there. Yeah. He, he's also going to explain sort of how he sort of got his book off the ground, isn't he? Yeah. Because, I mean, I think we all would like to release a book one day. Yeah. Not, not like just Adam already has, but yeah, he's going to explain how, how it works and so on. Yeah, I've done it in the past, but it'd be nice to hear someone who's been very successful with it. Uh, I don't think yeah. we've told, we haven't, we haven't <laughs> to told it yet. Uh, hey, sorry again, sorry again. We that's haven't that's told uh, Russell yet that that's what he's going to talk about. But. No, he'll, he'll be fine. No, he doesn't know. Yes. He's fine. Um, then we've got the Disney Brit Live podcast, which we do every single year, uh, mm. where we basically spend an hour just boring you to death. Doing, boring this? To death doing this and just messing stuff up. If, if we planned it really well, what we could do is we could do a bit more Jim Corker, so we just press play. Yeah. yeah. An hour. That's, yeah, we could just do that. Um, when, when's my thing? Is that Saturday? On Saturday. Is that Sunday? Sorry. Is that on Saturday? 
So on Saturday, I'm doing a bit of a presentation uh, to do with Disney planning. Um, and now, I know a lot of you are going, well, I just plan anyway, it's fine. But I think I plan to the nth degree, almost over the top, almost a bit, little bit silly. So I'm going to do li- about half an hour just talking about the different ways of Disney planning and things that I do that might be useful to you and useful to different people. And we'll kind of open the floor up a little bit to different people because they'll have ways that they do and things that they do as well. So it's, well, that's kind of a presentation in the sense that I'm going to talk about what I'm doing for my vacation in the summer, it'll also be an opportunity for other people to say, well, actually, I do this as well, and I do this as well. So it's kind of a, a bit of a forum for people who've got their own ideas and things like that as well. So a bit of a helpful, let's help each other together and do nice, helpful. It's a bit, bit of interaction. bit of interaction, yeah. So something like that. So I'll explain. Is it, is it sponsored by um, Microsoft Office and Excel? <laughs> or? No. Uh, well, actually, <laughs> Google Drive, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll be looking at that as part of it as well, which is good. Uh, and then, a well, slight difference to what we've done in, the, uh, in b- previous years, we're doing the big, big, big Disney quiz, but we're doing it in a slightly That's different way, are we not? Definitely. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be completely different this year, isn't it? It is. So, as in, as in, it's going to be a set of questions and you've got to answer them. <laughs> so we've got a set... I'm going to give you the names of the rounds, actually, because I've got them all in front of me. Um, what, do you want to explain what the difference is this time, though, Alan? It's a slight change. Okay. Well, previously what we've normally done on the Sunday is we've done the quiz, gave the prizes out at the end of the Sunday. What we're doing this time is we're splitting it over two days. Yeah. It's going to be a bigger quiz than it has been previously because a lot of people like getting involved with the quiz. Yeah. So we're going to split the quiz in half, have... I can't remember how many rounds we're going to have on the Saturday. Eight rounds. The same four, Eight. On, four on one day and four on the other. Yeah. So we're not going to bore everyone to death in a really big quiz in one day. We're going to choose your team mm-hmm. on the Saturday... Stay with Spread your team on the Sunday. So, and overnight, we will mark the first half of the quiz. So we'll have. I some don't know if that's a good idea overnight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, before everyone before goes we give the pub, um, we're going to mark the first half of the quiz so that we've got an idea roughly of where everybody is before we start the second half of the quiz. Basically, um, let me give you the. Um, eight category uh, rounds. So on the Saturday, you're going to get the chance to play the Disneyland Paris, the Who Am I round, the Sounds of the Parks round, and the Animation round. And on the Sunday, you've got the Observation round, you've got the Walt Disney World round, you've got the Mouse Maths round, and then you've got General Knowledge to finish it off. So there are eight rounds in total, and you'll get a chance to have a go at both sets of those as as the... uh, as the event goes on. Chris's. And Chris, I know that there was the Disneyland Paris round there. You're not allowed to take part in the quiz. Why? Why is, why is he not? Because, because he doesn't know any of them. Part of the organiser. Uh, he'll just but sit there a, and yeah, go. But you know my uh, knowledge, Alan. It's, it's fantastic. French. French Compa- uh, for Disney World, but that's about it. So, yeah. Sounds of the Parks is... I've tested it out on Alan. <laughs> I didn't do too bad, I don't uh, think. They didn't do too bad. There are some hard ones I, in there. I've done well on two of them. I got a zero out of two. Zero out of two. You did very well. Um, so we've got our Sounds of a Parks, which is our really tricky round on the uh, Saturday. And then probably Mouse Maths is our tricky round on the Sunday. Yep. You remember and, um, Mouse, Maths, Maths, Mouse Maths from last time. Claim your crown as the Disney champion. Yes. Yeah, we've got, we've got a few little competitions throughout the days as well, haven't we? That yeah, yeah. In. Yeah, there's other bits as well. Uh, so that's going in. Uh, you've, have it's, you mentioned... something else I've got to mention. Go on. When you, when you sign in on um, in the morning on Saturday, you go into registration, claim your wristband, you will also be given a raffle ticket. 
Ooh. I'm not saying it much about this, but make sure you keep hold of your raffle ticket. Okay. That's gonna it's gonna work several ways, isn't it? Over the weekend. Yes. Have you mentioned the the quiz in the afternoon or the game show in the afternoon? Um, which well, one? The, never the, mind. The, the, yeah, I've, I've mentioned Nevermind You've mentioned Nevermind the Disney. Okay, I don't know whether that was a secret or not, I can't remember. No, oh, no, no. Nevermind the Disney Nerds not now, is happening. No, Nevermind the Disney Nerds, which is basically the Disney version of Nevermind the Buzzcocks, where we're going to have two teams so we can compete against each other. Um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be really I'll, I'll, I'll explore, explain more on the rules of how the scoring will work as we do it. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Some people like expression. I'm hoping there's bias, because me and Adam are team captains, so I'm hoping there's bias towards me. <laughs> No. <laughs> right, Sunday. What's going on Sunday? Sunday morning, we have got... Now, we still need to confirm on this exact specification on this one. One, we're going to the cinema Sunday morning. Yeah. Which is, we, which is booked. Which is but booked. But the woman there is a nightmare. So <laughs> <That's all> I <laughs> can say. <laughs> so it's all booked, and we're just waiting for her as to the confirmation of the movie. I spoke to her several times, and she always says she's going to email me. Yeah, I just wish you'd replicate because those emails never seem to come through. <laughs> we've, um, we've gone through a list of films that has been given to us on Facebook. Yep. Um, which we had a while ago, and where it's been left off at the moment is she is searching for a distributor that has got the film yeah. for it. You the missed problem. that call, didn't you? Forty-five minutes. She explained to me how it works. I think the problem is, and I've explained this when we've done it in the past, is that it's not as it's not as easy as just going. We want this film. Let's do it. Uh, we have to find the distributor. They have to make sure they can get hold of a copy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's a real pain. But um, the annoying thing is, it looks like they just put the DVD on anyway. <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> so that's all hard work. But there's technicalities involved, and this is what you've got to do when you do this sort of thing. So we can be in the cinema from 11 o'clock on the Sunday morning. Okay. Which gives us the opportunity to actually do something before then if we want to. Yeah, which is good. Now, we, which we will do. We're schedule to see if we can do and what we can do. Right. We're, so ho- we're hoping to have a confirmation of the full schedule out early next week, aren't we? Yeah, that's, that's the idea. We're just waiting for Times, time, everything. Tiny bits and pieces. So, uh, as well as that, we've got Trader Sam's Tavern open again. We've got a, a very a different... Um, presentation to what we've had in the past. Most of it's to do with parks and things like that. We've never had a collectibles um, kind of conversation or, or presentation until this year. Yeah. So Stuart Henderson, um, who was involved with the Disney pin trading community, he is going to be doing a. This is my joke. Pinteresting conversation. So he did there. Like it. So, uh. so um, and then we've uh, we've got Chris's Disney sing along competition. That's right. That's that's replacing the karaoke that we normally do. Yeah, uh, that's going to be a little different. As in, uh, <laughs> we'll split the room down the middle, two teams, two team captains at the front. We're going to play a song. The team captain who gets up first to actually says what it is. Yeah. Is then going to choose somebody in the audience in his team. To come up the front, I don't know why I'm pointing, because I'm not there now. <laughs> to come up the front and come and sing it. Excellent. So, and of course, if they sing it well, obviously not the whole song, they just sing part of it well, um, they'll get the points. There you go. So that's that. What, what, and what points equal? Uh, uh, prizes. Not at the moment, so I've not sorted them out, oh, but okay. we'll but do eventually. Do. <laughs> um, so we've got Disney's Bring and Buy, which goes on as well. We've got our charity auction, which we were going to do again, and this time, as, as we've done in the past, it's for Great Ormond Street, so all of the money raised. Last Two years ago, we raised just over two... It was nearly £2,500 
for charity. Fantastic amount. Um, which was amazing with all the people that were there. So that's going to be going as well. We've then got the second half of the big, big, big Disney quiz. Uh, we've got two more interviews and the one thing that I loved last time and I can't wait to do again. So do you want to talk about those two interviews that we've got before we talk about the, the one little virtual thing that I really enjoy? Right, okay. Um, we have got um, an interview with Ron Schneider, who was the original dream finder over at Epcot. Oh, Imagination Pavilion. Um, we have in the past talked to him before on Disney Brits. We have. Um, but obviously by doing it live at the event at Mouse Meets, it gives everybody the opportunity to join in and ask some questions so to if, him. So you have, if you have got a question, get thinking about it. Yeah. Because uh, that'll be your chance to actually ask him and get a live response there and then. Yeah. Which is good. And that um, includes, uh, I think, Lou Tomlinson, who can ask for another um, voicemail message. If that's, you that's true, yes. After, <laughs> after Goofy a few years ago. Um, um, and then the other one is? Um, Mover Dave. From the Imagination or, Movers. Or more of the Imagination Movers. Yes, at least Mover Dave from the Imagination We've been in conversation with Disney's Imagination Movers for the past, well, probably two or three months now. Yeah, it has been, yeah. Um, they have got a gig in London at the Bloomsbury Theatre on the 30th of May to yeah. the 1st of June as per our advert plane. And basically they're going to come and join us online for a live link-up to talk about Disney's Imagination Movers, how they got involved, and all the ins and outs of the story. So again, if you've got any questions you want to ask them... If you want to ask them about their toilet paper gun, by all means, go <laughs> you for can it. Ask that as well. And then the last I hope that's clean toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> so that's know. exciting then. The last thing to talk about is the Virtual Magic Kingdom, uh, where we're basically going to once again be saying hello to Nicholas Cicero. Um, and he's going to take us on a virtual tour of the Magic Kingdom. And we're going to tell him where to go and what to do. And he's going to take us on attractions if we want to. He's going to take us to meet characters if we want to. We're basically going to tell him where in the Magic Kingdom we want him to go. And he's going to go and uh, and take us with him, basically. As, as we said earlier, um, you know, obviously the Fantasyland all being open by then. Yeah, and hopefully... We may new... spend a bit of time there. Yeah, and with the new uh, coaster. Hopefully we can get him to the coaster maybe early and get him on too much of a the queue. the first person doesn't say, can we go and see... Um... Anna and uh, Elsa. Yeah, otherwise, yeah, we're <laughs> still. a boring show. Uh, or can we go to the uh, t- Rapunzel Toilets? Uh, awesome. Yeah, that'd be uh, good. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah, it'll, it'll watch sit down <laughs> on them place, Nick. <laughs> so uh, we will be um, doing all that sort of stuff. We'll have to do a bit of planning there because we've got some times lined up. We have. And Nick is one of the ones that we haven't got as a, an exact time lined up. So if he's not there at park opening... You'd have to be primed to go somewhere. Yeah. So yes. I'm looking forward to that. So if 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 we were going to go on the Snow White or the Seven Dwarfs train ride, we want to make sure he is already in the queue by the time we link up to him. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah. Right, that is everything I think. Uh, obviously, we've got, we've got the social time as well that goes on in between each activity. It's a chance for you just to chat to other Disney fans, hang out with other Disney fans, that sort of stuff. Uh, in the evening on the Saturday, we also do a group dining thing where we all just go out for dinner obviously it's not included in your price uh we are currently i think thinking heading to the print works for an all-you-can-eat buffet aren't we world buffet that's one of, that's one of the things at the moment isn't it yeah it seems to be a popular choice at the moment uh and then we I mean, go... me and alan did try a lot of places out while we were there but we <laughs> uh, and then we're heading to weatherspoons as well uh because it's right next to the hotel and it's an opportunity to go and uh 
And we've tried that one out as well, haven't we, Alan? No, yeah, we did. That one yeah. worked quite well. That's all right. That one works <laughs> quite well. So that's good. So uh, then we had there usually until late into the evening before the next morning when people turn up looking worse. Two or three in the morning. Uh, which is always quite entertaining. We don't like to endorse a sit bar, to be fair, or a sit chain. But to Election. be fair, Weatherspoons is cheap and has no music, so it's got no atmosphere. <laughs> this is perfect. Uh, just to tell you some of the things we got part of the charity auction. At this moment in time, we have the following. Uh, the Imagination Movers have donated a Warehouse Mouse Headband, Imagination Movers Lunchbox, Calling All Movers CD, and an art print signed by Movers Smitty, Dave, Rich, and Scott. Uh, the Brooke family have donated a Disney Mystery Bundle. Uh, the four Disney Couture items have also been donated by Zentosa.com. We've got custom artwork made for you personally by Dave Avanzino, and he does a lot of stuff for Disney in the parks, doesn't he? Yeah, he's, he's a licensed um, art creator. Yep, there we go. We've got signed Kingdom Keepers 2 book. We've also got a signed first edition copy of Seen Under Seen Disney by Russell Floors. We've got four limited edition print T-shirts donated by QWERTY.com, and some of these, I love some of these, honestly. They're great. I and uh, incidentally, we, we are allowed to bid on these. We are incidentally allowed to bid on these. I've, I've, I have I have got one, not a Disney one, but I've got a very good one from there. They're cool. It's very plenty of looks on holiday. And then we've got seven limited edition print posters hand signed by Roly Crump, which have been donated by Bamboo Forest Publishing by Roly Crump. Amazing. We're doing well. One of them, one of the bits of art. Yeah. When it was printed, limited print. Yeah. Rolly decided that he wasn't happy that there was, I think it was his feet weren't in pink. So he's not only signed it by hand, he's coloured it in by hand. <laughs> Brilliant, there you go. Which is good, isn't it? Signed and coloured in by Rolly Crump. That's pretty awesome. Um, so that's uh, all of that on there. I don't think there's anything and else. I'll, I'll also add that poster is actually sold out now, there's none available. Oh, there you go then. So it really is that limited edition. If you are still umming and ahhing as to whether to come along to Mouse Meets, all of that is going to cost you £20 if you're an adult and £15 if you're a child aged 5 to 12. And if you're under 5, it's free. And you can head over to mousemeets.co.uk to get your tickets. And hopefully we'll see you there for Saturday and Sunday, the 10th and 11th of May. I've got an apology to make before we go on, go on anyway. What's that? Um, that's the fact that all the people that ordered kids' tickets... Yeah. I'm ever so sorry. When Alan sent me the ticket list, he never sent me the kids' list. So uh, a few yes. people are a bit concerned that they didn't have a kids' ticket in right. their email. So we'll blame Alan for that one. They'll be but coming out over the weekend. I, I didn't realise that the software we were using to split it up into two different lists. There you go. My bad. So we'll that's blame it. you for that. Yeah, yeah Definitely. But uh, we, if you haven't bought your tickets, we do hope you'll come and join us because we do honestly have a great weekend. Um, it's just a chance for you to get together with loads of really great Disney friends and just enjoy yourself, basically. And I remember it is a non-for-profit event. It is, so yeah. So at the moment, it's definitely not making a profit. <laughs> no, no. If we, if we were hoping to <laughs> at the make moment, any my sort wife of is profit, quite annoyed. Yeah, <laughs> if we were hoping to make any sort of profit from it whatsoever, then <laughs> we're, uh, we're running a small loss at the present. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You had that conversation as well, did you? I, I, I didn't have that conversation. Alan started that conversation when I hadn't actually started it myself. Ah. Yeah, I didn't realise that. Right, luckily... It was, it was a good, good start of the holiday, though, Chris. Yeah, yeah, good start, wasn't it? <laughs> was that on the first day? Yes, straight straight in, he got in with it. Well, how much do you think that's going to cost us? <laughs> Did he really? The, yeah, the wife didn't look impressed. Oh, man, Alan. 
I, I said to Catherine, I said, just imagine if we were throwing a party and we were inviting all these people. It would cost you money anyway to have all these people come around and spend some time with you. <laughs> so uh, just imagine it more of the lines of having a two-day party at the moment. Which, yes. Which, which Catherine's not too bad, because like, she's going, but my wife's stuck at home. Yeah, my wife might not become independent on uh, the date of her operation, so she might not be too impressed either. Me and you on the town then, Adam? It sounds like it, yeah. Sounds like we, we might be buying a house together because we might be thrown out by the end of it. But it'll be fine. Anyway. Yeah. He's got is, DVC. Uh, Make sure you keep the DVC. Yeah, we'll just keep the DVC. Be fine. Yeah, so that'll, that'll do us for two DVC, weeks. Oh, it's not happening. Right, that is everything. Uh, we will return in a second because we want to talk a little bit about FastPass Plus and about some of the changes that are happening and the responses we've had from some people about it. So we shall return in a few minutes with all of that. Want to keep up to date with all the latest Disney news and rumors? Then make sure to check out www.disneybrit.com, your number one source for the magical world of Disney. We have visual contact. Go, go, go! Make way for the big howdy, partners. Climb aboard. Carnivores versus pork belly. You're on, old school. Your mission, get there. The all-new attraction, Toy Story Mania. It's 4D, which is one better than 3D. Oh, security. Oh. Eh, works every time. Now at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Gorge, howdy. This is your old pal, Goofy. And no one's here right now to take your call, so... Yep. Call back later or uh, leave a message. Even better. <laughs> right then. I don't know how much you know about what's going on with FastPass. You may be more oblivious to it than other people. But over the past few months, Disney have been playing with this FastPass to make it FastPass Plus and to come up with my Disney experience and all of these great new ideas. They're going to help change the face of how dis- people are going to tour the parks and all those sort of things. And I thought what we'd want to do is, it's been going on for a little while now. It's now been rolled out to everybody. Uh, it was around sort of beginning of April. They've rolled it out, FastPass Plus, to all guests. And there's been some few changes here and there. And, um, wow, what have you all heard? So, Alan, you posted something out on our Facebook page uh, early on today, didn't you, to ask. Uh, what sort of yes. response did we get from those people? Um, and you can't just jump things on us like that. I've got to now go to the page. Oh, he's he's slow, it, it, yeah. Excluding Craig Duncan, because we know he hates it. Yeah, including Craig Duncan, who... Quite oh, excluding him. Oh, oh, yeah. excluding him, yeah. We can't include Craig, because we know that Craig, quite honestly, hates <laughs> FastPass Plus. Because all of his tweets and statuses and everything in the past, goodness knows how long, have just been about how much he hates it. So but, let's but have a look. I don't know if he likes going to Florida, to be honest. Well, he can tell us when we're around his house having a barbecue in the summer. Yeah, that'd be good, yeah. So, so you're not uh, there. Going down to um, Otford. Uh, no, no, meet no, in Orlando, in, actually. In Orlando, yeah. You know, we're going to All right. Yeah. Um, let's have a look. So, uh, Vicky Wells said, looking forward to using it in 2016. Like that we're able to book things like Toy Story Mania for the evening without having to be in the park at Silly O'Clock to get a fast pass. Uh, hey, obviously, I hate the tiered system. Uh, I hear good things and bad, so I'll be interested to hear the thoughts of those who visited it. Okay. Uh, Lawrence said he used it in February and hated it. The only positive was that he had a FastPass Plus for living with the land at 6.30pm when it closed at 6. So they let him use it on Soarin' instead. Um, he also said that the three 
fast passes for the day was not enough and to only get one e-ticket ride was a real pain. We have always used FastPass for the busy time rides and used the standby line for the rest. In February, we used FastPass Plus six times and only actually used three of the 18 that we got. Mm. Uh, Craig Duncan put yes and it's... Anyway. Um, so it seems that, although it has its good moments... It also doesn't have. It's increased wait time by an average of 13 minutes. Well, yeah, I was. Uh, this is one of the things that I was really interested about with regards to what was going on and the changes that it may have had to uh, wait times. And our good friends at touringplans.com, as you know, they are the statisticians, statisticians. If you want a stat about Walt Disney World, the guys at touringplans.com are the ones, basically, uh, to go and talk to. They were... Um, kind of uh, comparing the difference in wait times since the start of FastPass Plus compared to what it was this time last year. And th- the algorithms and stuff they've gone through and how they've compared it all, is, you can read. If you go to blog.touringplans.com, uh, you head over there, you can read exactly how they've got about doing this and that and the other. I read it and it, it melded my mind. I I, yeah, I, yeah. It was just like, I was like, I'm sorry, what? I'm not quite sure what exactly it is. That you've have done. they looked into I, I wasn't it? sure how they come from it. I'm, I'm not sure how they've got to it, but I know for a fact that it will be dead accurate. Um, oh, definitely. They always are. They, they always are, yeah. This, this, the way that they do it is amazing, really, the way that they work it out. You've got, you've got to remember, though, there's other things that could affect the queue in, in Disney World. Yes, there is, yeah, definitely. But, for um, example, crowd volumes, and um, for, for people over in... In America at the moment, yeah. you probably don't know this, but we've got a lot of um, insurance companies that are paying out for um, falsely selling payment plans yes. in insurance. And apparently that has had a massive spike in the economy in the UK because of lots of people who've had payouts and are going on holiday. And I did spend mine on that two years ago. And you know what they're doing, don't you? Woohoo! Big summer blowout! That's what they're doing. Having the big summer blowout, of course Woo-hoo. they are. Um, so, let's have a look what it says. Basically, what they're saying is uh, attendance at Walt Disney World up around 4% from 2013, so that's going to have an impact. Um, but since what they've compared is they compared two different things. The average posted standby wait time for FastPass Plus and the average posted standby wait time after FastPass Plus, so before and after. And they have found the following... For Winnie the Pooh, Space Mountain, Expedition Everest, and Tower of Terror, it has decreased the wait time. So there's, there's a better uh, impact on those things. Uh, Winnie the Pooh has apparently an average wait now of uh, less of 11 minutes nearly less. Space Mountain is 11 minutes less. Uh, Expedition Everest is around 6 minutes less. And Tower of Terror is nearly 7 minutes less um, per wait so we're not talking about anything massively significant, but that has made an impact there. It's also had an impact on the other end of the scale, on Kilimanjaro Safaris, Jungle Cruise, Haunted Mansion, Primeval World, Spaceship Earth, Pirates of the Caribbean, and Dinosaur. Um, Kilimanjaro is now nearly five minutes more, Jungle Cruise nearly seven, nearly six minutes for Haunted Mansion, seven minutes for Primeval World, uh, uh, about Primeval World, sorry, four and a half or so for Spaceship Earth, Pirates of the Caribbean is now nearly 10 minutes more, and it's nearly 12 minutes more for Dinosaur. 
And what they believe has happened, particularly with things like Dinosaur, is that Dinosaur was one of those things way out at the back of the park that nobody would rush for to get a fast pass for, uh, especially when you've got things like Kilimanjaro Safaris and Expedition Everest to get to. And because it was way out at the back of the park, nobody bothered. But now if you go onto the Fast Pass Plus reservation system on the Disney Experience app, Dinosaur actually comes up first because it's in alphabetical order. And I think mm. more people have gone, oh, oh yeah, we'll do that. We'll get a fast pass for that because that's a good attraction. And therefore has increased the standby wait time by uh, a lot of the others. So uh, that's had an impact. Pirates of the Caribbean has now had an impact. Spaceship Earth, again. We're looking at Spaceship Earth, Pirates of the Caribbean, Haunted Mansion, those sort of things. These are the attractions that traditionally didn't have a fast pass to start off with. Um, so what you're finding now is that there are people who are now fast passing those because they know they're popular well-established classic attractions and thinking we can go and do that and get on it sooner um so that's having an impact as well um kilimanjaro safaris is, is very small difference but also just to give you an idea there has been some other slight changes as well big thunder great movie ride carly river rapids soaring and the living with the land have all also seen rough increases average increases in wait time of anywhere between one to three minutes so nothing major but also Rock and Roller Coaster, Mission Space, Toy Story Mania, Star Tours, Test Track, Buzz Lightyear, and Peter Pan have all seen decreases in average wait time. Um, you're looking at, believe it or not, Peter Pan apparently has seen a decrease in wait time of about a third of a minute. Uh, oh, I'm definitely going to go that. for that then. Um, Buzz Lightyear is around about 30 seconds. Test Track, about a minute. Star Tours, about a minute. About two and a half minutes for Toy Story. Mission Space, one and a half. And Rock and Roller Coaster, nearly four. Um, so there has been some positive impacts with regards to this, according to the statistics. Um, mm. But I think what's actually happened is that people are beginning to kind of hate the fact that it's so prescriptive in the sense that um, you can only get this many fast passes in a day. And then once you've got those, you can only have them for these particular attractions and... Um, it, they've got this tiered system that's now working, which I think is beginning to anger some people a little bit. I don't know whether I've kind of got the wrong vibes. I'm, I mean, I'm starting to worry. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I considered when booking for August, obviously, was that I know how to use the fast passes. I know how to work at work yeah. the system. We can still get round and enjoy ourselves. Yeah. I'm staying off site. Yeah. My concern is obviously 60 days for people on site, 30 that's days right. for off site. Yeah. There's only so many fast passes to go around. Yes. When I log on in that 30 days, I've got to know exactly where I'm going. Yeah. Is there not going to be any fast passes available? No, I think there will be. I don't think it's going to sell out or run out. Uh, but yes, you're right. 60 days for those people who are staying on site. But um, I think my biggest concern, because there's been a few changes that have kind of happened over the past week or so, just to give you some idea of... of kind of what you can now do now it's rolled out to everybody you get three initial fast pass plus reservations that you can now park hop with you do those three which any any part you want to but again there are tiered systems so you can't have three of what they would call the headline attractions you can't go three that you actually want yeah, then. so you can't go into um the, uh, into the system and say today i want to fast pass from for big thunder mountain space mountain and splash mountain thank you very much there's kind of a tiered system of you can have one from here, one from here, one from here. Again, Disney trying to separate out the, the length of wait for a lot of people. It's like, like when you go to the restaurants, you can't yeah. have six puddings. That's right, it's that sort of thing, yeah. Um, Why not? Well, I suppose you can if you pay for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but my biggest concern is the next step. And that is the 
once what they've just added is once you've used your three original FastPass Plus reservations for that day, you can then head to a FastPass Plus kiosk and add a fourth choice. Once you've used that, you can go to the kiosk and add a fifth choice, sixth choice, seventh choice. Now, my worry about this is the length of the wait just to get to the FastPass Plus kiosk. Because the problem you've got is this isn't just a simple choice of, oh, let's go and get another FastPass for this. Families are going to go, right, we've decided we want to try and get a FastPass for Space Mountain at 6 o'clock tonight. So they'll go up there and they'll get there and they'll go, oh, there isn't any available for 6 o'clock. Oh, we can't do earlier because we've got this, but we can't do later because we're leaving the park. And that then starts a discussion with the family about what they can do instead. And then they're going to stand in front of this kiosk until they've sorted their fast passes out, and then they're going to go. Now, my experience of a system that runs like this is universal back in 2000, uh, where they used to have their system for fast pass kind of system before they started charging to get to front of line access and all that sort of stuff. And I queued forever at the kiosks just to make my uh, options for that particular day. And I'm worried that at this moment in time, Disney aren't officially allowing you to add your fast passes onto the app. And I'm kind of hoping that's going to happen, because if it doesn't, I think it's going to cause massive problems at the kiosks. Because what I'm picking out of what you're saying there is that these FastPass Plus kiosks will also be the places where people who haven't pre-booked exactly. will be going They're to the first initial yeah. section. Of yeah, those who don't understand magic bands or the apps or, or any of those things, uh, yeah, there's that fear that they're going to turn up and they're going to be told this is what you need to go and do and they're going to go and stand there and they're going to try and do it and it's going to take forever to do it. Um, are you going to do magic bands and things like that, Chris? Or? I'm, s- I'm still undecided. I mean, they're, what, they're sort of $12 each, aren't they? Uh, I don't, I can't remember what the, the price yeah, is. Yeah, from what I can understand included. is you, I could go to the park, I can present my ticket, yeah. pay $12, get a grey magic band, and that's then my ticket instead. Now, so. my concern is, as well, with this FastPass Plus system, is because the whole system now is being used for, you can do it for things like parade times, um, they are just testing now. Um, those of you who are staying in a Disney hotel can actually do a Fast Pass Plus for lunch at Be Our Guest, um, which I can't do yet because I'm not 60 days out. But I'm concerned that then we're now going to get to a stage, and from what I understand, it is rumoured that this is possibly going to start happening, is that we can start using and creating Fast Passes for Disney transportation. Okay, and from what I understand... Disney have talked about, and it has been rumoured, and whether or not this happens, I don't know, but it has been rumoured that um, the monorail may become a fast pass way of getting to the parks. And it could be that you get onto a uh, ferry boat if you don't have fast pass. Or you can use the monorail still, but you'll queue longer because there'll be people with fast pass plus reservations for the monorail who can get on and go. Yeah, I've seen all these, and at the moment I'm now starting to really worry that I should have booked on site. Yeah, well, but the thing is, that's exactly, I think, the idea, you know, that you'll now start thinking, oh, I should have booked on site, and next time you'll book on site. I mean, um, I'm actually going to go to Thompson's on Tuesday Yeah. to have a discussion with him how much it is to upgrade to go on site. Yeah. I mean, that's been brought on with a few problems with the hotel where I'm staying, but... Yeah. 
all the other things now start to mount up. You think, oh, the park and the fast pass, this, this, and oh. And the thing is, and that's my concern, that this is something that is starting to worry people like you who are saying, right, uh, I need to now do this or do that and I need to you know think about whether or not I should be staying on site because this is exactly what Disney wants to happen and and, and I, I'm i not saying that what Disney is doing is wrong because they're a business at the end of the day and at the end of the day we can't really say how dare you make money from people because that's the only way they're going to survive but what annoys me a little bit is how Disney sold this as this magical new way of using fast passes and how it's going to make your vacation so much easier and it's going to be so much better um, and they've kind of put this lovely, glossy, magical, nice sheen over it without actually saying, but equally, these are the things that are going to happen as well. And we've kind of begun to find them out almost by people going to the parks or by people kind of reporting back on it or finding out this is happening and this is happening and that sort of stuff. And I think that's the the, the big issue with me, really, is that maybe we've been misled slightly. I think they're going to put people off. I mean, I've, I'm, I'm worried... But I've got a lot of knowledge of Disney and how to do it and so on. Yeah. But, of course, if you're a first-time visitor, yeah. you go there. You don't understand the first the fast pass. No. You don't get on the big rides. You hang around. You're yeah. queuing. Yeah. You're not going to go back, are you? No, well, yeah, not necessarily. If you're suddenly in this massive queue for this, that, and the other, who knows what's going to happen? You know, we don't know whether or not... But I'm worried, you know, that fast pass will start. It's going to get to that point of, at what point do we stop with fast passes? You know, are or we what to point, point they start charging us? Or yeah, or are we not going to get to a point where suddenly hotel shuttles there's going to be a fast pass queue and a standard queue? Is you know, Magic Express when you arrive at the airport is there going to be a fast pass queue and a, a fast pass queue and a standard queue? Um, you know, queuing for for meals at restaurants, fast pass and standard, those sort of things. How far are we going to go? before it becomes so prescriptive that we have to make sure we plan in advance every single thing that we do. Now, I'm a planner. I don't mind doing that. You know, I've got my spreadsheets. I know what I'm doing, what day I've booked my ADRs, all that sort of stuff. But I still want a little bit of fluidity. You know, are we ever going to get to the point with FastPass Plus where the only way you can ride an attraction is if you've got a FastPass for it? And, of course, that's going to help Disney because they're going to know exactly Exactly. how many staff they need at this restaurant, how many buses they need, how many at this... Are we getting to that point where you turn up at a Disney park and the only way you can get on attractions is if you've got a fast pass and there's no standby anymore? Yeah. And are they going to get to the point that every fast pass reservation you make is something silly like 10 cents? Yeah. Not, not not a lot of money, but of course, when you add up the millions that make those fast passes, and then we're actually going back to the the A to E ticket books, aren't we? Where all yes. of a sudden we're starting to pay per attraction if we want to get on it a little bit quicker. I suppose with the tiered sort of allocation, you've also got the sort of ticket book option as well, haven't you? Really? Yeah. And it, it does worry me a little bit. That and we, this is the there was also talks here. about ages ago about them having a, a tiered system that people in the deluxe resorts get. More, more. more fast passes. Yeah, I can cope with that. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a problem. If you want to do that, that's fine. No. Uh, no, there is the concern that that's going to happen as well, that, you know, depending on where you're staying, it could be that you end up with five fast passes a day rather than, than three. Now, if Disney do begin to include these additional fast passes as part of the app, I think that will make me feel a lot happier. And I'm not saying they're not going to do it. They haven't announced to say they're not going to do it. But that I do have real concerns over whether it's just going to be kiosks. Um, so, um, I'm, 
the good the question is I can't uh, remember whereabouts the kiosks are in the parks and if they're spread out or not. I think they are spread out from what I remember seeing. Uh, I'm just having a look now so I can find out. Well, I'm sure it'll be all ironed out when I go next year. Yeah, you're sending us as guinea pigs, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, obviously the, obviously, the naughty thing is, um, what I used to do is my kids don't ride the big rides. Yeah. So a different ticket for a different ride. Yeah. So I could walk up, I could walk into um, Hollywood Studios, fast pass the old uh, Tower of Terror, different fast pass, different ticket for yeah. um, Rock Roller Coaster. Well, I think Disney got onto this, didn't they? And that's yeah. Like, well, you, you can still do that. Uh, but just they're just assigned to a certain person. That's the only problem. Just have to rip my kid's arm off to yeah. get on the ride. Or take the magic banner for whatever. Yeah. Um, as, as you're going in, oh, you've got a princess magic band. Oh, yes, it's my favourite. Well, I'll never forget the year that obviously I buy these gift cards I refill for the whole holiday. Yeah. And the kids chose a princess one. Yeah. The only trouble is I don't think they actually came in the shop with me again every time I refilled it. <laughs> the same jokes happened over and over again. Oh, that's a very nice card, sir. Did you pick that one? Um, I'm just... I, I think we'll, we'll obviously have a better understanding once we've used it in the summer, once we've been there for a good period of time. As as much as, um, as, as we love Mr Craig Duncan, um, I do think his views are a little bit skewed in the sense that he doesn't go to the parks for two weeks at a time and uses it on a long period of time. He uses it randomly when he goes to the parks on certain days. Um, That's right. I think, you know, uh, Lawrence has got a better idea of, of how it works. Um, because he's obviously been and used it as part of his his, um, his trip, and that's fine. Was it? Uh, it was Lawrence, wasn't it? Um, it was. But equally, I think we have to say he has used it pre-changes. Yes. Um, so there's been changes since he, he used it in February. Clearly, those changes were brought in because people Disney listened to the people, and the people said, yeah, okay, this is working, this isn't working. Um, but I'll be intrigued to see in the summer, you know, how this works, you know, when I've got my tickets on, how far in advance I can make my fast passes, etc., etc., and see where it goes from there. And, and actually see whether or not it does, in, in fact, increase my wait times. Well, one, I mean, another worry for me is I have never actually had a ticket in my prison 30 days before I've gone. Well, no, but again, this is something... We've talked about actually, you know, in the past I've been sort of like, as long as I've got tickets before I go, that's absolutely fine. Uh, whereas this time I'm thinking, right, I need my ticket 60 days out. Because um, I need to make sure I've got it so I can start sorting out my fast pass experiences for when I go to the park. So, yeah. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see. We will. It's very much a waiting game. We will return to this again and again, I have absolutely no doubt. Uh, and what we will do is, once we've returned in the summer from our particular trip out there, I'm sure we'll do a whole segment on how yes. we found the new system between us. And uh, and it be and if you don't change to on-site... That'd be a good uh, comparison, wouldn't it? interesting comparison to see how we do. Uh, yeah, so I think, Chris, you should stay at that Roach Motel and uh, <laughs> just for the purposes of Disney Bridge. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't rub it in about the hotel. What's wrong with the hotel? The hotel's changed owners. Right. Been disenfranchised. Oh. And uh, ever since November, has not had a good report on uh, TripAdvisor. 
right, yeah, might, might be worth going to see the. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've had several emails with them, and they've, they've denied it's actually changed names. Oh. So I, so I sent them a link to the website. Right. I'm waiting for that reply. Right, yeah, when they try and argue your way out of that one. Yeah. Right, that is everything we've got with regards to uh, Disney's uh, FastPass Plus. If you've got any comments, and we really do want them to, you know, if you've used it or you're out there now or you listen to this and you, and you respond, do email us, which is radio at disneybrit.com because we really want to know what your experiences are like. like to like to gather as many uh, sort of people's opinions as possible to give us a fully rounded sort of idea of, of what's going on with this FastPass Plus stuff. Because I don't want to sound like a downer on it, and but at the minute I'm I am worried uh, about going and about how it's going to work and whether or not it's going to have a negative impact on on my experience. But hey, we'll see what happens. Right, that is everything. We are going to take a very quick break, and when we come back, we are going to uh, well, we're going to bring in Jim Corcus. He's going to take us on a tour of the second half of Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> Want to keep up to date with all the latest Disney news and rumors? Then make sure to check out www.disneybrit.com, your number one source for the magical world of Disney. Discover the wonders of Epcot. Howdy, folks. Please keep your hands and arms inside the train and remain seated at all times. Now then, hang on to them hats and glasses, because this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness. And here we are at Catalina Eddie's. And again, people immediately make the assumption that this relates to Eddie Valiant and he went to Catalina, all of that. No. An Eddie is movements in the waves. Right. And there are flags, but I'm not going to tell you what those flags spell out. You're going to have to do some homework. I'll take a photograph on the way back through. There you go. And uh, over here, this is a victory garden. Uh, one of the things that happened during the war is that, you know, food was rationed, fresh fruit and vegetables, because you want to send it to the, the men overseas, the men who were fighting. So you were encouraged to make your own uh, backyard uh, garden. And the scarecrow in the garden is? A RAF guy? Yeah. Oh. Uh, the RAF? <laughs> what, 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 what do we think? We, yeah, thank you very much. American Air Force. Thank you very <laughs> You know, you need a little bit more respect for where you are here. Okay, and uh, up there you see three dots and a dash. What does that mean? Dot, dot, dash. Da, 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 da. It's got to be da, a da, 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 da. Right, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. And how do you do f uh, five in a, for a symphony? With a V. Da, 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 da. V for victory as that goes across. Oops, let's, let's go uh, um, across here. I'm going to go to the um, car 
Carthay Circle Theater because, again, they, they've got the Carthay Circle now at uh, Disney California Adventure. I can hardly wait to uh, go see that. That's, that's kind of exciting. But it's uh, an important part of, uh, of Disney, um, Disney history. And, of course, it was here at uh, Disney Hollywood Studios uh, first. So there we're taking a look at Carthay Circle Theater. And uh, should I put you on the spot and ask you what Disney films premiered there? I would have no idea at all. Okay. I'll be honest. The, uh, in 1929, uh, the first Silly Symphony uh, right. skeleton dance uh, okay. premiered there. And uh, because what happened is Walt made the film and his distributor didn't want to distribute the film. He said, this is gruesome. Send more place. <laughs> and um, uh, Walt said, no, no, if people see this, they'll really enjoy it. And so uh, he made arrangements for it to run at the Carthay Circle Theater. The reviews were so great that um, he sent it back to the distributor in New York. And so that's how we got the Silly Symphony thing. And that is why in uh, December of 1937, the theater was willing to take a risk with what Disney animated film? Um, Snow White. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, which this year is celebrating its 75th anniversary. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so uh, that premiered at the Carthay Circle Theater. Uh, all sorts of celebrities came out uh, uh, to see that. I, I talked with Ward Kimball, who was an animator on the film. He sat behind um, Clark Gable and Carol Lombard. And he said uh, Clark Gable was so moved. He was sniffling and, and needed nice. to borrow a handkerchief <laughs> because he was so moved by this. And Kimball says, I can't believe this. This is just pen and ink and color and all these people. Uh, John Barrymore apparently was jumping up and down on, on, on his seat when he saw the old uh, uh, hag because he just loved the character and he could see how you could do that on stage and, and all of that. But that was done at the Carthay Circle Theater. Also, the Carthay Circle Theater uh, also premiered um, Fantasia. It was one of 12 theaters that were fitted out with uh, Fantasound. And that was Walt's concept that you would be surrounded by sound. John Culhane, who's an animation historian, as a kid saw it in New York in Fantasound. And he explained to me that, for instance, during Sorcerer's Apprentice, you're sitting there in the seat and you hear the water behind you. And then you hear it rushing along the walls on either side and then crashing in front of you. Because you have all sorts of different speakers and all that. But uh, Walt lost money on that because it's during the war... The theaters don't have money to reconfigure their theaters for this. Uh, the equipment is expensive. Also, a lot of the equipment needs to be transferred to the war effort. Uh, Carthay Circle no longer exists. It fell down, uh, uh, was damaged during one of the big earthquakes out there in California, right. and then was eventually torn down. Uh, today, uh, it's part of the Buena Vista Street at the new Disney California Adventure, and it's a restaurant. It's a fancy restaurant, and they have a fancy uh, exclusive restaurant um, upstairs. All right. Yes. Um, like, so it was, it was the forerunner for um, the surround sound you get now? Absolutely. And in fact, um, the guy who did surround sound, uh, 
based it on another sound system uh, that he had heard, and that sound system had been based on Fantasound. Right. So e- even uh, all that, that we have now, that uh, that came from Walt. Walt was ahead of his time, and of course, if you're ahead of your time, that's not necessarily very good. No. You know, you're going to, to, to run into problems. Now, one of the things that you asked me was about, well, where are the tracks for the red car? Yeah. As we approach the Hollywood Tower of Terror, what do you see? Starting to see the brick paving and the uh, yeah. the tracks peeking through. So, yes. So the tracks so, are there. And the tracks are there, and the reason they're here is to warn you, oh my gosh, this is, there's no upkeep here, there's something out of the ordinary. Oh my gosh, it's the Tower of Terror. And the uh, rock gates that we see here in front yep. are the same rock gates uh, that was the entranceway to Hollywoodland, which was that real estate development. Right. And in 1945, uh, that was turned over, that sign was turned over to the city of Los Angeles, okay. but then pulled down the land, just left up the Hollywood. Right. And each letter is 50 foot high. Uh, there are 4,020-watt uh, bulbs. I'm still doing this without notes. Isn't that true, Alan? Yeah. It is true, yeah. And um, there was a little guy who lived uh, in a shack underneath the, the second L, and he was, his job was to come out and change out, burn out light bulbs. That, that was his job. I going to say that. I'll keep you busy for a while. Right. Now, as we come to the, the towards uh, the entrance of... Uh, signs that give us a sense of uh, foreboding, that something is is not right. Uh, I'll, I'll say here, I've never actually ventured into this part at all. Okay. Because of, I, I always had a fear of what was at the end of the year. Uh, as well you should. As well <laughs> you should, we'll, we'll share some stories. But see, here's, here's the entrance, but what people don't realize is this is not the entrance to the hotel, this is a side entrance. The front entrance is down here where people are all exiting. Ah. Yes, and in fact, that's where the portico share is. That's where all of those other things. So you should already be suspicious uh, uh, about that. Let's let's sit in the shade here a sec, and we'll we'll talk a little bit no more about uh, Tower of Terror. Um, it, actually, it was Eisner's original idea that this was going to be a resort. Right? Yes. And what would happen is there would be an ongoing uh, murder mystery taking place, just like uh, in a film noir detective movie. And so um, he was later convinced, uh, fortunately by Frank Wells, that people who were paying an upscale price, the same price that you would pay for the the Grand Floridian or the Boardwalk, did not want to be awakened at 2 o'clock in the morning by screams in the (laughs) hall or blood dripping out of their mirror or anything like that. Um, The next concept was um, uh, they had hired Mel Brooks. They were going to do a version of of an attraction where a a film company... um, was filming a, uh, um, a a horror film, and uh, some of the cast was missing. Right. And so you, as a guest, was were being pulled in to take take over those parts. But now you became involved, and and so there were several versions before they came 
to uh, the Twilight Zone. And, uh, uh, of course, I, I know you have some reasonable fears about this. I do <laughs> as well. Um, but you do need to realize that on this attraction, you do not fall. And you know that because those of you who have studied physics, you know that if you drop straight down, you'd have to go out at an angle to get to get rid of the uh, inertia. Right. Uh, you know, uh, I, I used to work at a uh, uh, in my younger days at, at an amusement park in California called uh, Six Flags Magic Mountain, and they had an attraction called Freefall. And you'd go up there in this wire cage, and it would drop, but you'd end up on your back. It would come down in a curve. That doesn't happen in this attraction because, of course, you do not fall. Right. Yeah, I, I, I know. Uh, you seem a little hesitant <laughs> here, uh, Alan. You do not fall. You are being pulled down. So there's a double set of cables on the top and on the bottom. So you're being pulled down, and you're being pulled down so fast that it's faster than gravity. So if you held a penny in your palm, it would float up, you know, over your palm as it uh, would go down. Uh, nobody had ever designed something like this before, so the first time they did it, they pulled it down, and they pulled it down so fast that the air compressed beneath it, and it blew out the walls underneath. <laughs> so they had to readjust, um, uh, had to readjust for that. Um, of course, Rod Serling had passed away, uh, so they held uh, a, an audition for a sound alike. Uh, a sound alike is uh, somebody who can recreate the sound of the voice of a character, and and not just the sound, but where does the character mispronounce a word or pause or, or stutter before a letter, or whatever. There's 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 a lot in, involved. So, uh, of course. Um, uh, Sterling Holloway passed away. He can't do Winnie the Pooh anymore. But we have a wonderful sound alike, uh, Jim Cummings, yeah. uh, who, who does that. He also does the voice of Tigger. So when Tigger and Winnie the Pooh talk to each other, it's still Jim Cummings. <laughs> uh, of course, they do different tracks, and they do it on different days because as a character, you have to have a different mindset. You have a different rhythm and, and, and all of that. Um, so they'll film one day, and then they'll bring him back the next day, and he'll wear he headsets, and he'll hear the other voice, and then he'll respond to that. Uh, Captain Hook, uh, Corey Burton, wonderful, what, you know, doing a Hans Conrad voice. Uh, so what they did is they brought in a bunch of uh, actors. They had them record, and then they had uh, Rod Serling's widow just listen to the tape recordings. And so she picked the one that she liked, and that was Mark Silverman. Mark Silverman is the voice of Rod Serling in here. Uh, the Imagineers watched um, every episode of um, uh, Twilight Zone three times in order to try and grab as many little bits and pieces. And, uh, you know, at some time you really need to go on the attraction and then at the end ask for the chicken exit. Yeah. And the chicken exit, unfortunately, is a service elevator. <laughs> no, no, I don't want to go on the elevator. Here, okay, just go over here. Take this elevator down to the bottom. Yeah. Um, I, I always said it would be good if they could do the ride where they get to the top of the drop. Right, you've got to go down the stairs. Yeah. Well, you see, uh, as we go off on different tangents, that, that's my belief that uh, after Walt's death is we started to get um, schizophrenic attractions. Uh, Walt's philosophy was always that everybody should be able to ride um, the attraction regardless of age or physical ability, whatever, because yeah. you want to keep the family together. Yeah. Uh, 
because in an amusement park, the family is split apart. They're all doing, kids are riding the kiddie rides and it's too big for you, or, you know, uh, teenagers are on the thrill rides and the adults are often just sitting on a bench eating popcorn, waiting for them to come back and ask for more money. Yeah. Um, after Walt's death, uh, things got a lot got a lot looser. I, I, I think one of the examples of what I would consider a schizophrenic ride is um, Splash Mountain. Right. Because I, I think uh, my parents have passed away, but I think my parents and also my uh, young little nephew would love the first part of that ride, going through on water and seeing all the audio electronics, all of that, but that drop would end. kill them. Yeah. But again, I also have another nephew and uh, niece who are uh, uh, teenage, uh, going on 35 apparently since... Since Uncle Jim is not cool and doesn't know anything at all, uh, they love the drop, but right. they are just sickened by seeing all the little sweet story, you know, yeah. uh, before then. Um, and so I think we, there are a lot of schizophrenic uh, rides that way. Uh, I think um, uh, Star Tours. I think Star Tours uh, would be a lot better if there was one um, pod that was locked down and in 2D because yeah. some people can't see 3D yeah. uh, or it makes them sick, whatever. And so you could experience that through that and you could experience the wonderful cube. Uh, I, I, I got into this discussion with um, uh, some friends earlier this week and I said, uh, we were talking about the expansion at Universal Studios Orlando and I said, the one mistake they made at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. I said the one mistake, it's cost them millions, if not billions. Yeah. The one mistake uh, they've made. Do you, you want to guess what that mistake is? Well, there's two things that I think. Okay. One is that it's not really for kids, the ride, the main ride. <laughs> and the other thing was there was a weight limit, or you had to be able to pull the, uh, the bar down. Abs absolutely. You know, because my friends, the first thing they said, oh, well, the size of the park. I said, well, the size of the park was limited by money and also by input from J.K. Rowling, who said, I only want the wand shop this size, so it's an intimate experience. And, in fact, you know, Disney was in negotiations with her and then pulled out because she kept demanding things. I'm not going to do that. So yeah. Universal went. Yes, the main Harry Potter ride, and even... even uh, uh, some of the little ones uh, there, like the Hippogriff and all. But the main Harry Potter ride, you're limiting who can go on that uh, attraction. Uh, as you mentioned, there's weight. It's also height. It's also um, uh, medical conditions. You know, do you have back problems? Do you have vertigo? Are you inclined to heart problems? You know, I don't want to... Uh, some pe When I was younger, uh, you know, some people loved going on, this ride will kill you. Yeah. I, I worked at Six Flags Magic Mountain where maintenance was not always top notch <laughs> and people would get hurt. It never slowed people down no. getting on the ride because if it's like, well, one in a hundred people could get hurt, people still were lining up out the door because they figured the odds are in their favor and then yeah. they could say, 
I beat this. Yeah. But yeah, at, at Wizarding World of Harry Potter, basically what it is is you're cutting out a huge number of Harry Potter fans, and you know the queue line getting into the ride is, is so wonderful. I think they should have a they should have at least built a separate line that people could just go through and see the castle and then curve back out. Um, I, th I think you can do that now. You can walk through. I, I've, I've heard that uh, sometimes if you ask it front, right. uh, that, that, can, that can happen. But again, that's something that should have been thought through and built yeah. in. But I think uh, even today, a lot of Imagineers who are building the rides are not built like me and are, are certainly not my age. And, uh, you know, they're building it for themselves. When Walt built an attraction, even for early Disneyland, um, uh, I, I was asking one of the Imagineers, well, how did you determine the size of the ride vehicle? Because this had never been done before. You wanted a ride vehicle that was large enough for two adults or an adult and a child or whatever. And so did you work out specs or, or whatever? And it was, no, we used uh, Bruce Bushman. I said, what? Bruce Bushman was way over six foot tall. Uh, he, he's, he was well over 200-some pounds. And so Walt figured that if Bruce could get into the right vehicle <laughs> and he was comfortable, then a, a regular adult or two adults yep. or an adult and a kid uh, uh, could do that. And so uh, bringing this now back to Tower of Terror, there's uh, some wonderful things within the queue line heading into the uh, attraction. For instance, uh, listeners may even be able to hear in the background that we're hearing different music than we hear on Sunset Boulevard. We're hearing music that's foreboding, you know, e yeah. even though it's of the time period, it's, well, there's something that... It sounds that, a bit more like, like yeah, it's wailing. Wailing, or we'll meet again, don't yeah. know where, don't know when. Yeah. And then there's wonderful props throughout uh, uh, the entire attraction. When you go up into the furnace room, some of the furnace room, the furnaces look like faces. Right. Uh, in the pre-show room, where there's the TVs, where you're... Um, uh, to, uh, to, to learn the premise of the ride before you, you go on. Uh, you have props from the, the Twilight Zone, you know, and, and those type of ahas, you know, add to the experience. But again, that last drop, and, and they've made it even worse because since you don't fall, you're being pulled, that's why you can change the drop cycle. Right. So you can drop a little bit and then go back up and then drop all the way down yeah. or drop a couple of times or <laughs> drop almost all the way down and then shoot back up. And, yeah. You know, and, oh, that's a lot of fun. It's not a lot of fun for me. No. You know, I, I just I, I just pay close to uh, 100 bucks to come into the park. I, I spend almost another 20 on parking. I, I, I bought food that, you know, uh, a $10 hamburger where I could get it for a buck at, at McDonald's. And granted, yours is a lot better than the buck hamburger, yeah. but... You know, I, yeah. I, and like, all of this, you know, you should put yourself in the uh, in the feet of the guest. Yeah. But um, well, Catherine said to me, Alan, you're going on Tower of Terror this time. Yeah. Oh, oh she I, did, right? Oh, oh, did, so you you finally signed the will and got all of that. So it all well, goes to her. We right? are working on a will at the moment, but now I, I said to her, right, I'll, I'll see. And then when you, when we sort of talked about, oh, well, we'll meet up on the Tuesday, yes. and that was our Tower of Terror stroke Hollywood uh, Studios Day, I thought, excellent. Oh. I don't have to go on the ride now. <laughs> well, is there anything that Catherine avoids? Um, 
She doesn't like parrots, but uh, that's about it. <laughs> so you avoid Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean, right? No, parrots. No, because there are parrots in Pirates of the Caribbean. All oh, right. <laughs> she likes that one, but um, no. Went to a bird show once and they said we'd like a parrot on it and she was out the door. Oh, okay. Because, you know, we also have gator land out here, so she could hold a gator. I'll try and arrange that one for yeah, you. Yeah, or, or in, in, in your case, you said... Uh, uh, at, at your resort, you saw one on the uh, on the outside there. Yeah, on the lake. Yes, it's so, just loads of wildlife. So, there. so that that would go. Um, so uh, Disney Hollywood Studios often gets uh, ignored. You know, I think when when people come out here, they immediately think of uh, uh, Magic Kingdom, and that's where I'm going to spend all the time, and and that really is Disney. Yeah. Uh, some people will go to Epcot, although when I worked at Epcot, I often found. Uh, that people would pack uh, the uh, turnstiles early in the morning and then rush to uh, uh, Mission Space or Test Track or um, whatever, and then in an hour or two leave to go somewhere else. Uh, Animal Kingdom, I'm surprised that people consider that a half-day park. Although, again, I feel that that's a park that wasn't designed keeping people in mind. I, I came out to Florida from California to take care of my uh, uh, folks. They passed away a couple of years ago. And one of the things I would do is I would take them to the parks. They would love coming here. But coming to Animal Kingdom, even parking in handicapped parking, it's a long walk to the ticket kiosk from from that. And then yep. after you pass the ticket kiosk, it's a long walk to get to the Oasis. And by then it's, it's like, uphill. you know, and it's uphill. And, oh, my gosh, you're dead. <laughs> uh uh, for all of that to happen. Wonderful detail, though, at um, Animal Kingdom, but it, it's interesting that you're fascinated by this because I've debated, because I have all these notes that uh, when Animal Kingdom opened, I, I got to spend some time with Imagineer Joe Rohde, right. and um, I, I talked, and why is this here, and why is that, and, and all of that, and then at the end, he says, I really don't want you telling people about this. And I said, What? <laughs> I, I, I said, because it's all on stage, it's not hidden, it's, yeah. there, there's nothing secret, there's nothing uh, sneaky about it. For, for instance, when he uh, did the Adventurers Club, uh, the day before opening, he tried to sneak in a hidden Mickey of a shrunken Mickey's head behind the bar, but that was found in the moon. Right. So there was, there's nothing sneaky or anything. And he says, no, if, if people are, are told those things, he says, that's why I hate hidden Mickey's. People get so obsessed looking for those things that they miss being immersed in the overall experience. And I try to argue that um, knowing these things actually, I think, increases the appreciation uh, for some people. You know, you don't have to know it, but knowing these things... Uh, uh, but, but again, it's it's a different culture. I'm, I'm not a big fan of uh, uh, fast pass, and it's not because I think everybody should wait in line. It's because the fast pass line... Um, detours around the queue line that is telling the story that is setting you up for the experience. But now we're getting to the point of I want this um, three-minute roller coaster ride as opposed to you've got a full ten minutes or so where they're setting you up in the story and and the whole thing uh, about this as you move into this and then you have the experience and gosh, wow, what an experience. It's not just a roller coaster. It's not just, you know, you you have that... um, We we were at um, Magic Kingdom the other day and 
I went to get the Fast Pass for Winnie the Pooh, and as I got the tickets for the Fast Pass, yes. I thought, we're missing the new Winnie the Pooh queue, ride, queue yeah. line with all the kids' play toys. Right. And, and I saw, I was half thinking about do we just go through the main queue line, but as it was 50 minutes mm-hmm. versus walking straight on with the Fast Pass, we had to do that. See, and, and again, you know, you balance that out, but the other thing, and a lot of times I think in the back of our minds, we always say, well, I'll go back and do that another time. But things change. For instance, the Winnie the Pooh queue line, one of the huge changes is they've uh, taken out the Tigger bounce area. Right. There was an area where kids could go and bounce. But, again, I'm sure Disney lawyers got involved and said, my gosh, that's a lawsuit waiting to happen. And so now it's a meet-and-greet photo area. I, I actually remember that, seeing that on pictures, and I didn't see it when I was in the queue. Yeah. So yeah. And, and again, many of the things that we've talked on this podcast and the previous podcast are these were things that were in the park when the park opened in 89, and now they're gone. And they're gone for the sake of efficiency and cleanliness and maintenance. Nothing to do with the story, nothing to do with the guest experience. The um, Emporium in, in Main Street was actually designed to tell the story of a family and the family who passed on the ownership of the Emporium uh, to their children. And so you could actually see how the Emporium started as a small shop, then it absorbed into a second shop, and then into a third shop. And there were items on the wall and in shadow boxes and, and up along the shelves and kids' toys and all that. So literally you could follow along and you could see all of that is gone now. And it has been for several years. Right. And again, nobody took pictures about it because you just assume it's always going to be there. Yeah. And it's not. Uh, you know, I, I think everybody assumes Snow White's ride. Well, that'll always be there. It's, it's been there at Disneyland since 55. It'll be here. And, and then things change within the ride itself. So uh, shame on all of you. When you come, <laughs> t- take lots of photos. Um, uh, none of those naughty photos. I, I, I see naughty photos pointed, posted sometimes on, on, on the internet. Uh, they don't. They don't allow that at Splash Mountain anymore. If that happens on Splash Mountain, if somebody has pulled up their top, they. they, they, they <coughs> what they do is they edit it out before it comes out, and they say, "Well, the camera just wasn't working at that." I've seen a totally different website about that sort of thing. Yes, yes, there, there, there's all that. So take good pictures. But take uh, take pictures of nooks and crannies. Take pictures of uh, the, the lighting fixtures and, and all of this. All of this, uh, you know, a lot of attention to detail went into that to create this immersive environment for you. And Disney was not the first to create an immersive environment. But they were the first to really capitalize and refine on it. You know, immersive environments go back to even medieval cathedrals. Uh, You go in and you have a non-literate audience, so you have stained glass windows that are telling the story that you want to tell. You you have people in different costumes. You hear different sounds than you do in in the real world. Uh, There's even a different ritual. And, and so you're transported to a different world. Same thing at, at Disney. You know, where else in the world can somebody put uh, masking tape down on the ground and say, this is the parade route, don't yeah. step over that. And, and you have tens of thousands of strangers going, okay. Yeah, I saw that. It was coming out of the monorail. There was an arrow yeah. taped on the ground. Yeah. And, yeah. and people behave because 
Walt intended this to be a theater experience, that all of these were sets, theater sets, and they needed actors to complete it. You, as a guest, are the actor, and you are expected to act differently. And, and so, even though in real life you would jump ahead in the line or punch somebody in the nose, you don't, because this is the role that you're playing as the good guest. Yeah. And in the old days, Disney had enough cues to help reinforce that. Now they don't, so we see with crowded things, people getting on edge, not just yeah. because of the culture of the time, but uh, what well, we talked about Winnie the Pooh. I worked over at Epcot after Fantasmic. Uh, they were having a blockage at Mexico for people to leave. And so the VPs and the managers are there, oh, well, you know, it, it, it's just designed poorly and, and all of this. And I was doing a, uh, a program for them on Disney storytelling, and I said, well, you notice there isn't a blockage over there in Canada, and that's the same exit area. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, people are right-handed, and so they go that way. And I said, well, I, I, I said, that could account for some of it. I said, but do you see what you're selling in Mexico? No. They had brought in uh, a merchandise cart to sell Winnie the Pooh. Because right. Winnie the Pooh was, at that time, more popular than Mickey Mouse. And so this was going to increase sales. But what happens is you set up the pavilions... So they're like their own little countries, their own little embassies, and so you behave differently. Now in Mexico, when you bring out Winnie the Pooh, you're literally saying, no, this is not a sacred Mexican area anymore. Yeah. And so people are behaving back. As soon as they remove that merchandise cart, it's, it flowed. And now they've replaced it with lots of tequila. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't get an extra dime for that. In fact, I got laid off two years ago, but, but that's about it. And speaking about laying off, I think it's about time to lay off this uh, uh, podcast. And uh, those of you who uh, are at home, I hope you, by now you've finished your fish and chips and, uh, uh, you know, and uh, or pause this to go to yep. the blue or whatever. Without and uh, I, I think we may have one more in us. So... Uh, Alan, thanks very much. Let's no wrap it up. Yeah, come on then, on to Tower of Terror. Well, there you go. That is uh, everything from us this week. Thank you, Jim, for our uh, little tour of Sunset Boulevard. Um, I don't think we've got anything else for this week, have we? Well, I think uh, we've said quite a lot. We've, I was going to say, it's a mammoth episode. It's a good old length of a show. But it is the bank holiday weekend. We want to make sure everybody's got plenty of time to listen to it and to enjoy it and all that sort of stuff. So, um, last week. It just makes up for the week that we weren't all around. Yeah, where were you, Adam? Where where was you I? You left. Yeah. Uh, my uh, I, the tyre went on my car and I had to get it fixed. And <laughs> I completely, I was out and I went, oh, my tyre's broken. And then I had to go and get it fixed because we were going on holiday the next day and I completely forgot we had a show. So I was sat in a garage, late night garage, trying to fix my tyre. Um, so it's my, totally my own fault. And I uh, I did apologise profusely to Alan that I wasn't around. But do uh, <laughs> go over to DisneyBrit.com. You can find out everything about Mouse Meets over at mousemeets.co.uk. And of course, do email us radio at DisneyBrit.com about anything that you've got going on, uh, anything you want to know, any questions, any comments, any suggestions, particularly anything to do with FastPass Plus, we would love to hear uh, from you about all of that. But uh, that is it for the next couple of weeks. Uh, did you find out whether we got one more show before Mouse Meets, Alan? Um, I double-clicked on the calendar and it didn't open up. Oh, okay. I, so, I, think, <laughs> I think we have. I think we've got one more just before I think, Mouse, I think Mouse Meets. falls between the two weeks. I think so there does. you go then. So uh, we will bring out the following one for Mouse Meets in a couple of weeks. So until then... We'll see ya.
everybody. <laughs> that was swell. 